M1 Mac Mini Pro, M1 iMac Pro, M1 Mac Pro, but then M2 MacBook Air, M2 MacBook Pro, M2 Mac Mini, and M2 iMac. But what are they? When are they? And I'll do you one better. Why are they? As in, who are they even all for? We've got just a poppin' fresh set of new reports from Bloomberg and basketball aficionado Mark Gurman, and cross-referencing those reports with Apple's typical patterns paints quite the calendar and capability set for Apple's next generation of custom silicon Macs. So hit that subscribe button and bell to support in-depth tech, and then let's break it down. So, yes, okay, before Apple can get to M2, they have to finish pushing out the M1 Pro and M1 Max, starting with the Mac Mini Pro and Max, because they've already pushed out the ultra-low power M1 version of the Mini all the way back in November of 2020 alongside the M1 MacBook Air and entry-level MacBook Pro. But that was a silver mini and not space gray, which as everyone knows means not so pro. It was ripping and replacing Intel in the existing enclosure with no new design and no ultra high performance option other than the old Intel space gray space heater that Apple just kept on the menu. Now. This new Pro Mini is rumored to be replacing just exactly that, possibly as soon as Apple's widely anticipated spring event, but with a smaller, sleeker new enclosure and not just M1, but M1 Pro and M1 Max. They're still based on Apple's A14 Bionic architecture like M1 is, but instead of four Ice Storm efficiency and four Firestorm performance cores, and instead of eight G13 graphics cores, they'll have two E cores up to eight P cores and up to 32 GPUs, and not just dedicated H.264 and H.265 rendering engines, but with ProRes media engines as well. Also with up to 64 gigabytes of unified memory, along with ridiculous, just yes, I'll say it, redonkulous levels of bandwidth to keep it all fed. And instead of two USB and two Thunderbolt controllers, they'll have three of each of those as well, which just means way more ports, all the ports. In other words, just phenomenal new silicon power in an itty bitty new enclosure space. And where the original M1 Mac Mini was and is perfect for anyone who just wants the least expensive way possible to get into Apple Silicon or to throw at any amount of production grunt work, this new Pro version is basically gonna be a mini server, whether it's on a desk or in a rack or part of a mini farm. Just grunt work on Hulk Serum, but at a more pro price. Speaking of which, a new iMac Pro. It was originally rumored for late last year and at 32 inches, but more recent reports say they've settled on a 27 inch size. So now it sounds like WWDC in June at the earliest, but maybe not until the fall for the new pro level iMac. And design rumors have kind of flip-flopped there as well from bezel-less and chin-free like the Pro Display XDR to simply a bigger version of the logo-less but still cheekily chin giant iPad on a stand that we got for the 24 inch, only with black bezels instead of white and space gray or full-on black instead of the Skittles taste the rainbow of colors we got on the 24 inch. But also instead of an LCD display, a mini LED display for near OLED levels of deep inky blacks and super bright whites to support a full-on HDR high dynamic range workflow. Then of course, of course, same M1 Pro and M1 Max silicon options with all the higher core counts and ProRes engines, though even maxing the Mac to the current Mac Max with the Max, why do you do this Apple, would only get us to 64 gigabytes of RAM. And the old Intel iMac Pro went all the way to 256 gigabytes, which might just be why there have also been rumors about a higher binned M1 Max or even a dual die M1 Max implementation for just the tippity top end of the product line. And where the M1 Mac was designed really for the home or front of house for students, families, and entry-level coders or creatives, 
the M1 iMac Pro and Max will be for people who don't care about portability, but want even beyond MacBook Pro type power with just a ginormous display, a huge production canvas all in one right in. Because otherwise they would go for the M1 Mac Pro, which is currently rumored to be something between a classic G4 cube and the 2019 Mac Pro Rebirth of the Cheese Grater, with all those hot, heavy Intel Xeon and AMD Helicarrier boards just ripped out and replaced with M1 Macs in a smaller version of the same or similar enclosure, but with dual-die M1 Macs, maybe even quad-die M1 Macs. Now, how Apple, if Apple handles up to 1.5 terabytes, like in the current Intel Xeon Mac Pro, or at least way more massive amounts of unified memory, along with the modularity and, yeah, expandability that marked the rebirth of the current modular again cheese grater design over the previous sealed trash can Vader helmet of an appliance Mac Pro, we're just gonna have to wait and see. Which if Apple keeps to its previous pattern, probably won't be until a teaser at WWDC in June with a ship date later in the fall, maybe even towards the end of the year to follow. But that's what people who want and need a Mac Pro want and need, not just a bigger mini, but a truly no limits Mac, the mother of all server boxes with the potential to basically plug a whole entire studio right in. And once M1, M1 Pro and M1 Max and the dual and quad die implementations of Max and all the work and fabric that those entail are all good and properly rolled out, like by the fall of 2022, well, that's when the next wave can start with M2 and the redesigned MacBook Air or just plain MacBook if Apple decides it's time to get back to those basics, probably around October of this year, if it doesn't fall over, just get pushed over into the next. And where the M1 MacBook Air stuck to the same 2018 era design as the old anemic Intel model, the M2 is reportedly getting a newer, flatter, sleeker redesign as well, maybe with white bezels and a rainbow of colors, not just like the M1 iMac, but like the OG iBooks, and maybe even a notch, as well as a mini LED display as Apple just continues to push that tech not only across the line, but now down the line as well, even though that will almost certainly mean a higher price tag to match, which has kind of been true of every new MacBook Air and MacBook relaunch in the last decade and a bit anyway, which is why it's meant less for entry-level students and compute casuals and more for higher-end premium travelers and ultra, ultra-book flexors with the M1 version sticking around to keep that $999 price point warm, at least for now. Same with the entry-level M1 MacBook Pro, which kept the old body when it got its new brain, all two ports and touch bar of it. But the M2 is rumored to be getting the same or similar redesign as the recent M1 MacBook Pro and Max, although not with anywhere nearly the performance all of those cores in the Pro and Max provide, and probably not with all the same amount of ports either. Because just like M1 was built on A14 Bionic from the iPhone 12, M2 will probably be built on the A15 Bionic from the iPhone 13 which means higher performance blizzard efficiency cores, higher efficiency avalanche performance cores, and way, way more powerful A14 graphics cores, more numerous as well, because just like the iPhone 13 Pro got a fifth GPU, M2 is reportedly getting up to 10 GPUs. Also, potentially the basic ProRes engine from the A15 as well, which would be fan frickin tastic for creatives who want ProRes without the full pro price. Now, yes, if M2 hits in October or later, 
It's also quite possible, it's entirely possible, it could be built on Apple's upcoming A16 Bionic platform, the one for the upcoming iPhone 14 instead, which should be getting a process shrink from five nanometer to four or three nanometer, maybe with some improved matrix multipliers for the machine learning accelerators, and the same type of generational E-core, P-core, and GPU core improvements that we've seen from Apple before. But either way, anyway, it all comes down to more power at less power consumption, especially in this case for people who want or need something more than a MacBook or MacBook Air, including an active cooling system that can do things like sustain heavy load for longer than 20 odd minutes, but who don't want or need the weight or full-on pro-level performance or price of the full-on MacBook Pro. Same exactly with the M2 Mac Mini, because the M1 will be two years old by the end of this year, so updating it to the M2 alongside the MacBook Air and Pro makes exactly the kind of sense it does, but so does updating it to that new enclosure, the one rumored for the Mac Mini Pro and Macs, or at least it would make all of the rumors surrounding the rainbow of colors coming to the Mac Mini make more of the kind of sense that does. Because where Apple believes pros want their machines limited, it's completely limited to the colors of interface Chrome, so they disappear into the background and don't mess with things like the color cones in our eyes while we're trying to mess with things like the color grading on our screens, Apple also increasingly believes that consumers want them that rainbow. So come October-ish, forget spec bump. If the mini goes M2 and literal Skittles, that would be basically the best mini update ever for exactly that lowest price entry-level consumer Mac mini market. Unlike the M2 iMac, which may well be the very first pure Apple Silicon spec bump ever, since it was the very first pure Apple Silicon redesign ever back in April of 2021. So all Apple really has to do there is refresh the chipset inside and sure, maybe the color palette on the outside, the way they've been doing with consumer end iPhones for the last few years already, and maybe mini LED, which might just come down to how much mini LED prices have come down by then. Since right now, they seem to be adding about a hundred bucks to the bill, which isn't as easy to absorb on the entry-level price points. See the 11-inch iPad Pro from last April. But all the optimistic butts should be going mini LED and M2 around the exact same October timeframe this year. So yes, a nerd can dream. Which is also when Apple will begin the next phase with M2 or M3 Pro and Max, and maybe scaling the Mac Pro all the way beyond Max. And to hear Apple explain how exactly all of that works, check out my interview with their VP of Silicon and VP of Mac product marketing. You can watch it ad-free, sponsor-free, and with extended bonus content on Nebula, where you can also find exclusive and original videos, including a new studio tour series where I'm going through everything I use to make my videos. Cameras already, audio coming up next, and much, much more. Because on Nebula, I have the luxury of making videos that don't have to be optimized for YouTube but where I know, I just know the nerdiest, most hardcore of you will absolutely love them. All ad-free, sponsor-free on Nebula and bundled in for free when you sign up with today's sponsor at curiositystream.com slash Renee or click the link below. And right now, today, because you're watching this video, you can get CuriosityStream on sale for 26% off, less than 15 bucks a year, less than the price of your average USB-C dongle for the whole entire year. And that includes their thousands of amazing documentaries and series like Dream the Future, Entertainment, 
narrated by Sigourney Weaver and focusing on virtual reality headsets, which are reaching the masses and can already let people dive into spectacular new worlds. Like from our couches, we can now float through space, fly over New York, or zip along roller coasters. But what will it be like in the future? It is the best way to support educational creators directly and just the best damn deal in streaming today. For over 26% off CuriosityStream, less than 15 bucks a year, and Nebula bundled in for free, just click the button on the screen or go to curiositystream.com slash Ritchie. Clicking on that button really helps out the channel, and so does hitting up this playlist for way more on the future of Apple Silicon Macs. Just hit that playlist, and I'll see you in the next video.